All right, microphone check. Jake, what are we sipping on? Check, check. Sipping on some Starbucks Americano. A little bit of collagen in there. <laughs> Delicious. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Two Fit Podcast, hosted by the Two Fit guys, Jake and Josh. Now, Two Fit, by definition, is actively pursuing a state of health and well being beyond perceived limitations. So, if you are looking to push the boundaries of performance mentally, physically, and everywhere in between, then you have come to the right place. On the Two Fit Podcast, we will be interviewing and having fireside chats with renowned experts from doctors and strength and conditioning coaches to athletes and entrepreneurs. Our goal is to extract tools and tricks of the trade that you can implement, whether you're a world-class athlete, weekend warrior, entrepreneur, or grinding out the eight to five, all in order to assist you on your journey to becoming Two Fit. We are live, sitting here in uh, my house today. Yeah, recording another podcast. Some beautiful decor and fake trees. Fake trees that my wife so lovely has put around the house. They're uh, beautiful. Good job, Caroline. A few real ones over there that are putting out some decent oxygen. I hope. Are they? <laughs> the placebo effects real anyway. Jake is still coming off. Um, I guess what would be a runner's high. May, he, I don't know if he's coming off or he's actually just like full bore into it. Right it's now. like a yeah CrossFit high, <laughs> pretty full bore these last couple of days. Just my endorphins are super sensitive right now. I guess I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and I, I unfortunately am not. I'm just sipping on some coffee. I had a abnormally high HRV reading this morning, and uh, it's kind of put me in a rest period, so... Yeah, just left me high and dry, bro. I know, I'm a little jealous, though. I did want to work out as a nice day. Well, your text said, yeah, I'll be there. That sounds good. And I then, was. And then 3 o'clock came around. I was actually just going to show up and do some mobility while I watched everyone else, including you, lift the weights. That's but. what I was expecting, but still didn't even, <laughs> didn't even get that support. That's all right. So, we are really excited to launch what... This is actually part one of a three-part series Jake and I are doing for the month of January on nutrition and a host of other items. So right now, we are going to hit you with everything you need to know about diet, eating, how to eat, what to eat, and why. Next week, we're going to roll out a detox and blood testing podcast, how you can kind of lay the groundwork, get everything cleaned out and the system running properly at 110% for the rest of the year. And then part three will be a lifestyle and kind of a daily habits, routines, apps we use, uh, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So you should be too. You sound like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of enthusiasm there. All right. Well, let's dive into this thing. So we're in the new year, obviously 2016. And it's that time of the year where people are looking to get their lives kind of in check or set goals for 2016. And those goals usually involve diet, losing weight, possibly gaining weight if you're looking to add on some muscle, but it usually involves food choices and diet. Yeah, exactly. And if that doesn't kind of give you just a glimpse of where we're at as a society right now, where 
every single year it's the same goals, right? Every year it's the same. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to get healthy this year. I'm going to change my diet, um, which is great intention, right? But And I'm not saying that it's wrong. This is I think this is good, and that's why we're here because we want to help people and actually achieve those goals and make them sustainable. But it also is indicative of, hey, maybe we're doing something wrong here. If you're setting the same goal for yourself year after year, something's got to change, right? One, why aren't people achieving their their New Year's resolutions? And why is it the same goals every year? And I think that they have these same goals and people don't really know where to look because they're, they're, they're bombarded by so much info between the TV and the internet and their mm-hmm. friends. And, and a lot of it, when they turn to something to make a change, it's a lot of this, you know, pay by mail, order over the phone, meal in a box type plan. And I think the number one thing that's lacking is there's no true education about the right foods. Yeah. It's always here. You you need to eat less to lose weight. You need to do this to lose weight. And people may do a plan like that where they eat these prepared meals for a few months or a few weeks or whatever, and they may see some results. But you know, they get off. They forget to order. They get off of it. They quit. They don't like the way the food tastes anymore. And it all on the, the whole time they haven't learned how to prepare the foods or choose the right foods at the store, mm-hmm. and so they're left still uneducated. And back to gaining more weight. Yeah, or they come across some product or some biohack, whatever it might be, that they think is going to change the game for them. And realizing that they're getting nothing out of it, they just become a, a Google expert, basically. And, you know, there's always the proverbial, I'm going to starve myself. I think a lot of people look at that like, all I got to do is, is cut out some food and I'm going to lose some weight. Yeah, so what, what you're getting at and what people don't realize when they do these crash diets just trying to lose that, you know, 10, 15 pounds, whatever it might be. People don't look at it just, you know, people might do these crash diets in order to get ready for a competition or something like that, but they go into it with education and knowledge on how to do it and how to reincorporate their normal diet. Everybody who goes into these crash diets where they're totally calorie restricting themselves, basically what they're doing is slowing their metabolism down because your body is basically trying to get you to survive off of the little bit of food that you're giving to it. So your metabolism slows way down because it's trying to basically save up for the winter time and the hard times. And then whenever you incorporate more food back in and basically your normal diet, now you've overloaded your system and it's still in this storage phase because your metabolism is extremely low. And now you've gained all that weight back plus some because of metabolism and hormonal changes that you've basically introduce into your body. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we've kind of covered like that whole New Year's resolution kind of uh, wheel just constantly turning year after year. We really want to dive in. We want to make all this as simple as possible. We want to dive in and talk about really what are the macronutrients that the body needs to function. Really, let's just break it down for them. Carbs, protein, and fats, you know? Yeah, so a lot of people... Um you know, might not even know what macronutrients are. Basically, macro. Okay, that's uh, Kelvin <laughs> chiming in his little chewini or whatever he is. Um, Thirty-pound chihuahua. Yeah. So a lot of people might not even know what macronutrients are versus micronutrients. Your macros are your carbs, protein, and fat, and those are the things that are basically essential for life. Those are the things that are going to give you energy um, and keep you alive. Your micronutrients are your vitamins, minerals, that sort of stuff, just to basically aid 
everything else that's going on. So your macros, though, carbohydrates, just kind of run through the list here real quick. That's basically going to, to turn into sugar, glucose inside of your body. Um, now, carbs are not essential for life, meaning that you can get glucose from other sources, your protein and your fats, but it's just the quickest and most convenient way that your body can get it. So that's carbs. What about protein? You know, most people relate protein to meats. You know, that's really the, the most prominent source in our diet. So protein, but those meats, that's going to get broken down into these amino acids, which make up the protein. And then our bodies are going to use those for tissues such as muscle, hair, uh, collagen, joint health, um, and different enzymes and antibodies. And so those are really the building blocks of primarily your muscle tissue. You know, thirdly, we have fat. I'll preface this with <clears throat> this kind of fat and the fat that you see on food labels and fat in your food does not turn into the fat that you see around your waistline. Exactly. That's a lie that we've been, we've been sold. And so, I mean, we all need fat um, for maintaining healthy skin and hair, insulating our body organs, uh, promoting healthy cell function most of all. And, yeah, that's really in a nutshell your carbohydrates, your proteins, and your fats. And we'll get into more detail about the specific foods we recommend for each of those macros. Mm -hmm. But let's touch on the typical Western diet that we all see in America and like what people are used to eating kind of in those macronutrient ranges, you know? So like if you were to break down your plate, like your average plate for the month or week, you would have your macros broken out. Like you're obviously when you're going through the food line, or you're getting something at a restaurant. You're most people aren't really thinking, what are the macros on my plate? But let's just kind of go into the details there of what kind of macros people are generally getting. And also what is recommended by like the USDA and our government that people eat. Right, so if you look at like the food pyramid, the bottom of that food pyramid is all <clears throat> basically your, your grains and starches, um, pastas, and all that is basically heavy, heavy carbohydrate driven. And so when you look at the typical Western diet, what you're looking at is people are waking up and having their muffin or bagels or toaster strudel, whatever it might be. So now you're looking at sugars on top of breads, <clears throat> um, and that's basically just... Very, very heavy in carbs. And then you're going to lunch and having a sandwich. And yeah, there might be some meat in there. might be some fruit on the side, chips, whatever that might be. Now we're looking at even more carbohydrates. Yeah, you got some protein in there. And then dinner, you're looking at pasta. And this is things that the, the FDA and the government have been basically supporting for a couple of decades now. And so now you have this steady drip of insulin all day from all these carbohydrates that you've been eating. And so the typical Western diet, basically what we're talking about, the underlying issue there is very carbohydrate-laden foods. And all on the flip long. side, very low fat. Very low fat, moderate to light protein, and pretty low on the calorie side of things. Yeah. And we'll get into like really why some of these carbohydrates create so much damage and why on the flip side the fats actually don't and why we are meant to burn fat. We're talking about how we got to this place. One of those things, why we have such low fat in the recommended you know, governmental guidelines right now is because of the adage, we thought that fat was what put fat on your body. Fat and food was what made you fat. So what they started doing <clears throat> was basically you see all these low fat snack packs, low fat 
milk, low fat this, low fat that. They've taken the fat out of everything. Well, they figured out that anything with no fat in it basically tasted like crap, though. They loaded it on the back end with all these sugars, so everything that's low fat on there now has all these sugars on the back end, and your body just recognizes that as a sugar, which is a carb. There you go with even more insulin spike. That's why we have the same goals and the same resolutions year after year, and we want to change that. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that's, you know, people switch. There was like this big push in the last decade of going from let's not eat white things, let's eat the wheat. You know, let's eat whole wheat, let's eat whole grain. And that is doing the same exact thing that the, the white stuff was doing. And a big reason for this is a carbohydrate from a grain source is a carbohydrate from a grain source. It might have a different glycemic load, Mm -hmm. which is basically the body's response in terms of insulin to the food you're taking in. Um, What it translates to is that the higher the sugar and starch intake, the higher the blood triglycerides, the higher the inflammation, typically worse sleep, and actually becomes difficult to even control body fat levels. Mm -hmm. And complete vice versa of this whole, you know, eat low fat, maintain your fat type mentality. And also like these constant elevated levels of the circulating blood sugars caused by high carbohydrate intake are typically associated with nerve damage, um, cholesterol oxidation, high morbidity rate, bacterial infection, cancer progression, and even Alzheimer's as well. You know, the key component of weight loss is ap- actually tapping into your storage fat or your adipose tissue for energy. But that can't happen when the body is drawing on these carb reserves. Right. Because like we keep talking about, you get that huge insulin spike and research now shows that insulin is what's responsible for actually having you store fat. So let's get into really what we recommend for not only eating healthy, but also for longevity and performance and just overall like high functionality. Right. So basically just a way of eating, right? This is a way of living and you're going to tweak this based off of your goals and where you're at. Right. Yeah. So we're going to lay the groundwork for you on just like the general guidelines for what we believe would be healthy eating every day. Um, And then we're going to kind of list out three protocols, like Jake said, to tailor for your goals and what you're going through in life. Um, these will be like, you know, drastic weight loss. If you're the hard charging athlete, um, that's going to maybe need more carbohydrate. We're going to cover all of that, but we want to make it as simple as possible. And you could write all this down while we're, you know, say it in the podcast, but we're going to have all this listed out for you in the show notes. So you go to twofitusa.com, um, click on podcast. You'll find this episode, all the show notes and links, anything you need, um, grocery lists, you name it, it'll all be there for you. So I kind of like lay that groundwork for the general guidelines. <clears throat> Paul Geminette is really the guy that, he, well, he wrote the book uh, with his wife called The Perfect Health Diet, and we've really dove into that for quite a while. And this involves a high-fat diet, a low-carb, and a moderate protein intake. And just to talk about the, those macro percentages uh, of the carbs, fats, and proteins, this would be eating a diet in the range of 65% fat, 20% protein, and 15% carbohydrate. Fat is a preferred energy source. It's very efficient for the body to convert these fats into fuel. And also, you know, the, these healthy fats are carriers for a lot of fat-soluble vitamins, like yeah. vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K2, vitamin A. Um, also the fat around your heart is actually primarily saturated fat 
and most of your cell membrane is made up of fat. So your body really needs the fat for fuel. It's what it wants. We weren't made to be running off these processed foods, oats, grains, all day that that we're on now, breads. Yeah, so again, we recommend the 65% range for healthy fats. And again, we'll get into the exact foods later. And then on the protein intake, which is a moderate protein, actually lower than a lot of people probably think they should get just because of what we've all been told for years. Yeah, that reminds me. I mean, protein's really been huge, especially in the in the athlete world. People think they need so much protein per body weight, uh, per pound, this and that, just to see results, to build muscle, this and that. And that's been proven a bit of a myth as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this and, and of course we've experimented. We've I, I I would have one to one point two grams of protein per pound of body weight for a long time, like yeah. through high school into college. Um, but that's really not what the body needs because remember the baseline of eating the right way. It's not what you take in; it's what your body utilizes. It's like business, you know. It's not about how much money your business takes in; it's how much you take home. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing with your foods. You don't want to be eating excess that the body doesn't need because what it's going what's what's it going to do? It's going to store it. You yeah. know, we like to learn things the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> usually. Mean, um, it, it just reminds me back like when people started taking creatine when it first came out, and people were taking like twenty five grams of creatine and loading doses and this and that. And where's all that going? Yeah. yeah, in the toilet, mm-hmm. you know, you don't you don't need that. It's not shown just basically micro doses. You get the same effect. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, the protein, like just to kind of let you know what can happen in excess protein. It's basically anytime you take in protein, your body will uh, produce nitrogen. And so you'll hear a lot like in the athletic world, like you want to maintain this positive nitrogen balance. What that really means is that you're taking in more protein than your body needs to function. Mm -hmm. And we do have a way of our our bodies have a way of excreting this excess amount of nitrogen. It gets converted to ammonia and then goes out through the urea cycle and you usually put it in the toilet. But when your body can't excrete that much ammonia, you get this ammonia buildup, which can actually become really toxic. And typically for the average person, that would be exceeding... um, about 0.8 grams per pound of body weight yeah. on average. So really you want to be around that point, 0.55 to 0.75 in the high end. Yeah, it could fluctuate. Yeah. Um, and then on the carb side, you still do want some of those carbohydrates from healthy sources, and that's on the low end at 15%. So we got 65% fats, 20% proteins, and 15% carbs. Yeah, and like, like we said earlier, you're still getting glucose and energy levels from your protein and fats, it's just going to take a little bit longer than having that sugar rush basically from your carbohydrates. Exactly. And that's ideal because you want to stay under the body's like kind of maintenance load of, of glucose because that's going to make your body, like Jake just said, produce those the, the glucose from the proteins. Yeah, and you're going to feel a lot better all day too. I mean, who wants to go through their day basically fluctuating mentally and emotionally and hormonally all day just based off of your diet? Yeah, all you know? crazy blood sugar yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a kid hyped up on sugar, then they crash, and then I'm just going to do it again here in four hours. And again, you can tweak that for your own use, even in that same macronutrient range, depending on your training. And that's really what we're going to dive in here t- now 
are three different protocols that Jake and I have not only experimented with, but recommended and seen results in others. And so these are going to involve ketosis or more of a ketogenic diet, carb cycling or cyclic ketosis, and then carb backloading. And so Jake is the guy on ketosis. He's going to really run through it on what it means to be in ketosis, what is ketosis, and the kind, the type of person that would benefit and want to be in ketosis. Yeah, ketosis. It's one of those new sexy terms out there in the nutrition and sports industry world where <clears throat> kind of like uh, like jazzercise was or detox, you know, it sounds kind of cool and, and hip. Are you but, in ketosis, bro? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's more bro sciencey there. But uh, no, yeah, if the bros can understand it, anybody can. So uh, ketosis is basically where you get your body into a state where it has a high amount of ketones in your blood. Um, so like Josh was talking about earlier, when that fat is burning through your body, one of the byproducts is a ketone. So you get into ketosis when your body is primarily running off of its storage of fat. So you're eating a high, high fat diet. And so your main energy source coming in becomes your main energy source coming out. So that's basically just general ketosis 101 for you. You're eating a high fat diet and your body is burning fat continually all day long as a preferential energy source. What would like a macronutrient range on just the fats be for somebody to kind of maintain or get into ketosis? To get into ketosis, you know, based off those numbers you gave earlier, you're going to need to really up that fat percentage even more to 75 to 80%, like minimum. Um, You could even go higher, especially starting out if you want to get into ketosis a little bit faster. Um, You might bonk a little sooner, and bonk's one of those words just meaning that, you know, come maybe a couple days out, you're going to be feeling a little, like... You know, just not your normal self. Your energy level is going to be a little drained, that sort of thing. And we can cover that in a minute, what to do there. But basically, you're going to want at least 75, I'm going to say 80%, really, 80% fat, probably 15%, 10 to 15% protein, and then the rest is going to be your carbs. And if you want to, um, we'll link to this in the show notes as well, all the tools and everything that we recommend. But if you want to be in ketosis, um, and you want to check to know what your ketone body levels are. Um, they do have urine strips, similar to pH strips you can test, but I highly recommend the breath ketone tester because that's the, the, the best way and the most consistent reading is to measure them in your breath because when they're coming out in the toilet, your body is using ketones for energy, so it's not going to give you an accurate read of what you're uh, peeing out, basically. Um, what kind of people would benefit primarily from a ketogenic diet because i mean it seems like like probably not for like the hard charging athlete i know that they've had a lot of success with the endurance athletes who aren't really calling on those glycogen stores um for the explosiveness so maybe like an endurance person but who primarily would benefit from a ketogenic diet primarily anyone with um basically some extra body weight hanging around that they want off really anybody that's looking to lose weight kind of the average just a little overweight American, you know, uh, would probably benefit most. And I think they, they see results very quickly, actually. And it's actually a lot more sustainable than the other forms of diets that are out there, especially these the high-carb ones that we've touched on. 
Yeah, and the, the ketogenic, that's a it's a great way. We really don't recommend people like staying ketosis forever. It's not like a lifestyle diet, but it's a great place. Like Jake said, you need to lose some body fat. We really, really recommend ketosis, and then you can dial it back when you've re- kind of reached your goals to like that perfect health kind of Paul Geminette recommendation of the 65-2015. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it just, you know, when you sit back and think about it, it just makes sense. Your body's going to be running off of what you give it. So if you're putting fat in, it's going to be burning through that fat. <clears throat> and we have all the research and everything to back it up. We can look at some things. We can give you the show notes to Gary Taubes and all the work that he's done. Good calories, bad calories. Yeah, you touched on something there, not to like sidetrack everybody, but you said something last week when we were in conversation with someone that I think would really hit home like in a nutshell about the calories. Like people, the thoughts and what we've been told about counting calories and how you need to count calories for weight loss, count calories for weight gain, and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically a calorie, I believe, is a good, is, is basically only good for kind of how much work output you do. Um, it really shouldn't come into play when we're looking at our diets and how much energy we're putting into our bodies because of how much variation there is. When we're looking at <clears throat> calories of broccoli and calories of an apple, whatever you, whatever good healthy source you want to think of have in your mind and compare that to Oreos, Dr. Pepper, chocolate fudge, whatever it might be, the calories in those are not equivalent to one another. 200 calories of an Oreo is not 200 calories in broccoli, nutritional value-wise. Your body sees that very differently, and it's going to process it very differently, and it's going to look a lot differently on you when it's all said and done. And so even if you, <clears throat> you know, based off of the myth that's out there right now, if I restrict myself you know, 10 to 15% of my calorie intake lower than what it should be, you know, I have more energy going out than when I'm putting in, I should lose weight. But if all my calories are just coming from the 10 Oreos I eat that day, I'm still going to be gaining weight more than likely. I'm not going to be losing it. And if I am, I'm going to look emaciated and I've got a whole host of other issues going on. So I hope that kind of covers it. That's not to say you can't lose some weight on a calorie-restricted, healthy-type diet. Right, right. That's also not long-term, like we touched on at the beginning. That's not going to maintain your body's energy expenditure. Yeah, it can be like a good just kind of overall measure um, if you are eating basically good whole foods and you're eating kind of the same things throughout the week and you want to compare meals to one another. But if you want to compare two different foods and food groups, a calorie is not a calorie, basically. Yeah, it's just so much more beneficial to analyze your diet and build your diet on the macros. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and we could get into like how to gauge your BMR and understand how many uh, macros you need for your goals, but we don't want you to have to write all that down. We've already got it in the show notes. So that's all you got to do. We will show you in the show notes how to calculate your BMR, how to calculate your expenditure based on your activity levels, and give you a good tool to build your diet around. So, so BMR, for those who don't know, is base metabolic rate, which is basically without you doing anything all day long, just waking up and breathing oxygen, how much you burn in a day. Even if I'm vegging out? On if the you're TV. just vegging out watching the TV, 
being a sedentary American. (laughs) (laughs) So we covered ketosis and um, now we're going to get into something that is, can be a little bit easier to maintain for people. um, And that is like, and that is carb (laughs) cycling and cyclic ketosis. Those kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. It's a big word. I know. Um, Yeah. Cyclic ketosis. That's, Basically, the route that I've chosen on this plan, it's really for somebody who's looking to lose just a little bit of, of maybe a body fat percentage, but still main their, maintain their lean mass and even build some lean mass on top of it if possible. Um, it's really for you know active people. Um, even if you're out there walking or running hard, you know three to five ti- three to five days a week, I think this is good for you. Um, so Josh, give us the the one on one on it. Yeah. Like Jake said, this is great for just about anybody. Um, so obviously when you're in ketosis, your your body's storage glucose in the form of glycogen is going to be pretty low. Um, now in a carb cycling or cyclic ketosis diet, we want to maintain certain glycogen levels for exercise, but we're not going to maintain them throughout the entire week. Right. And so really... It involves an ultra low carb diet or ketogenic diet six days out of the week with kind of a carbohydrate, what we would call refeed, like would typically just for example, be on a Saturday. And what that's going to do is refuel your glycogen levels to help your performance beginning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This macronutrient percentage is going to follow pretty much exactly the perfect health diet slash keto diet. So you'd be in the 65, 70% range that 15, 20% protein and the rest carbohydrate on a daily basis. So so the macros aren't really going to change on this. Right. It's just when you take those macros in. Yeah. And so let's, for instance, say that you were running on a Sunday through a Friday plan, right? Mm -hmm. That that was your typical low carb, high fat diet days. You're going to flip that on its head on Saturday. And a lot of people may think, oh, is this a cheat day? Well, if you want a piece of cake or, or whatever, I would reserve it for that day, yes. But we also don't really advocate eating these highly sugary few foods and everything because you could experience some GI distress uh, once you're eating a high-fat, low-carb diet. So if you do experience, like maybe let's say that you weight train like on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, or you run every day, you may experience on this type of like cyclical ketogenic diet that <clears throat> you are feeling what Jake touched on earlier is like some bonking. Um, and there are some ways like some hacks we'll list later, uh, to kind of avoid that or help buffer that. But what we recommend is always start with this type of a plan where it's just like a one day refeed and then introduce carbohydrates, maybe more middle of the week if you are feeling that way. So like just constantly be evaluating how's my mental energy, how's my performance in the gym or running or whatever you're doing. Um, and then we would recommend, like easiest example, so if you're refeeding on a Saturday, just incorporate one carbohydrate meal like on a Wednesday evening. So maybe when you have like the steak and vegetables, throw in like a large sweet potato. So just to recap, the percentages on that one. So the percentages, six days a week, would be 65% fats, 20% proteins, 15% carbohydrates. Right, and we're only eating those carbohydrates around our activity. Exactly. That's a big thing too. Anytime you're going to eat carbohydrates, and we're really going to touch on this kind of in the next protocol, but anytime you're going to have those carbohydrates, reserve them for post-workout. Exactly. And why is that? 
So this will kind of curtail us uh, into the carb backloading. But the big reason is, so when, when you wake up in the morning, we are all pretty much keted, in a ketogenic state. Even if you're not like eating a ketogenic type diet, it's just strictly from the starvation. Right. We've been fasting for seven, eight hours. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we've we've getting some quality <laughs> sleep in there. It's around an IV. <laughs> um, yeah, and so we wait ketogenic, and you know, it's kind of like, well, if the body wants to burn fat in the morning, why do we want to screw it up? Your tissues, they're going to be competing for material in the morning. So when you have like that typical Western breakfast of you know orange juice and toast and stuff, there is no like deciphering in your tissues of oh, I'm only going to store it in muscle or fat. It's going to just partition it the way it sees fit. So um, like Jake said earlier, insulin, it's a growth hormone. It basically doesn't have any bias. So you you will grow in the morning, but you will grow muscle and fat. Mm -hmm. Well, really, John Kiefer kind of paved the way for a lot of this work when studying uh, some research on type 2 diabetics where after resistance training or even like heavy sprint intervals that type 2 diabetics were unable to to one, really spike insulin levels, and, and two, they were unable to store this carbohydrate into fat. What that meant was, through some of Kiefer's research, is that you have these you know, glucose transporters that kind of sit on top of the cell, and they kind of float, right? And they translocate. Well, after resistance training, insulin is not needed to translocate glucose in and out of muscle tissue. So... What that meant was you're unable to store fat after resistance training when you take in glucose, and you're only able to store it into muscle tissue. Right, so basically your carbs that you're taking in right around your workout are just going straight to your muscles and not being stored anywhere else. Exactly, which is what we all want. That's why this, the, the carb cycling cyclical ketogenic diet is ideal for those. It's really that you know in the past you had... People would go through a bulking phase and then through a cutting phase. And the cyclical ketogenic diet is ideal for both of those at the same time. You can actually run down body fat percentage levels and still add or maintain muscle mass. Even that that 10 or 15% carbohydrate macronutrient ratio we're talking about, reserve that for primarily around your workouts. Talk about a biohack there. I know I've been asked before when I start... Like a new diet or whatever, I tell people about it. They're like, oh, well, what are your goals? To lose weight? Are you trying to gain some muscle mass? Or I'm like, well, both, <laughs> you know? And there's like, oh, well, that's not possible. You have to go through your bulking phase and then your cutting phase. And I'm like, no, I'm just a one phase kind of guy. Yeah. It's just using those, it's using carbohydrates as a tool. Protocol number three carb backloading. This is Josh's preferred protocol. This is my cup of tea here. So why why have you chosen this one? So I've experienced whenever I whenever I kind of run or operate on a cyclical ketogenic diet or an ultra low carb all week, I re- I realize after about day three my performance in the gym really drops. Mm-hmm. And that's because Yeah, I've noticed too. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, that's because my glycogen levels are just really becoming depleted when we're doing, you know, uh a metcon like metabolic conditioning or sprints or whatever it may be. And so, uh, John Kiefer also, again, we're going to link to his book and some of his studies, but really kind of 
coined the term carb backloading and kind of built it off what used to be known as kind of the anabolic diet. And this is also falls in that line of dropping body fat percentage and building muscle just more at a rapid rate and more for the person that's really training hard five or six days a week. So again, these, these protocols we're talking about are all based on your goals. Just to recap, like ketogenic, more for the weight loss, um, mental performance, the cyclical ketogenic diet, more for I'm trying to drop body fat, maintain or build muscle mass. And then we have carb backloading more for like that hard charging athlete training pretty intensely. And so carb backloading is what we were just discussing, focusing on eating your carbohydrates in and around your workout windows so that you can partition those nutrients to muscle tissue and not to fat. So a day in the life of carb backloading would still follow those same macronutrient ratios of the 65-2015. Uh, they may adjust based on your training goals. If you find you're not recovering well, you might want to up the protein percentage. You could drop the fat to 60, up the protein to 25. Um, and again, it, it all goes back to what the macros are for you. So if you are, like we said earlier, following like this perfect health diet, mo- diet model, your protein might come in the form of like, half a gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, if you're the hard charging athlete that's doing more of a carb backloading, I would probably recommend like 0.75 or even 0.8 on the high end. All right, well, let's just look at the the anatomy of it. So let's go through a day in the life of carb backloading based off of if you're working out in the morning, you're working out in the evening. So let's start day one in the life of somebody who's working out in the morning. Yeah, so like we work out in the morning and – this this is uh, pretty much firsthand, kind of what I follow, what Jake follows, um, even though he will kind of go more into like the low, lower carb all week um, than I will. But a day in the life. Now, now Kiefer, I will say, he, he first originally recommended carb backloading for people who primarily work out, work out in the evening. We can get to that later. But if you're working out in the morning, it would look like you wake, let's say you wake up at 6 a.m., um, so your so your breakfast would look like high high fat protein. This could be um, really what what we're going to put the recipe for is kind of touches a little bit on the bulletproof coffee with the coconut oil and the grass fed butter. It has a couple of other goodies in there, which you can get the recipe in the show notes. Um, it's going to provide you with the nutrients you need to kind of start your day. And that high fat in the morning really gets the brain revved up. Then you would say go to the gym at 8 o'clock. You're drinking your pre-workout shake, preferably Moxie, natural pre-workout. Um, and then you would reserve those carbohydrates. Let's say you're done working out at like 9.30ish, 10 o'clock. You would take, like Jake recommended, Rally, our natural post-workout product. You're going to get 30 grams of carbs, 15 grams of protein. Those carbohydrates are going to get shuttled to muscle to help you grow, help you recover. And then you would pretty much be done for the day on your carbohydrates until dinner. So that would look like, again, lunch is high fat, moderate protein, you know, snack in the afternoon. And then at night, it would look like salmon and a sweet potato and some asparagus, a steak, some rice, zucchini, that that type of thing. So it's basically reserving those carbohydrates right after workout and then again in the evening. Right, so just to kind of recap the difference between the cyclic carb diet and this carbohydrate backloading is everything looks the same through the workout, but then on this backloading, you backload by having your carbs 
again at night. You've partitioned your carbs around your workout and dinner time. Exactly. And then on the cyclic carb, you're only having it that one day a week and another meal if needed. Right. So just kind of clarify there. Now, what if I'm working out in the evening and I'm carb backloading? So that's, a, that's actually what Kiefer originally recommended was kind of an evening protocol just because it didn't kind of convolute anything with you having like a, a high carbohydrate protein shake such as rally like right after your morning workout, even though it's partitioned properly. Um, but it would look like high fat, moderate protein. It'd be the same macronutrient ratios we've spoken about all day. And then let's say you go to the gym for the guy that gets off at 5 o'clock. You hit the gym at 5.30. You would have your pro- post-workout shake. 6.30 or 7, and then you would go right into your dinnertime meal, which would be, you. and actually Kiefer recommends, depending on the intensity of your exercise, just go balls to the wall on your carbohydrates in the yeah. evening. It's a big carb sesh. Big carb sesh, yeah. yeah. Pretty much eat whatever you want for about an hour and a half, two hours, and then um, give your body just a little time to kind of recover and regulate those insulin levels before hitting the sack for bed. Yeah, that's really why it's called the anabolic diet. Now, I've heard before, I think we probably both have, you can consider anything around your workout basically a cheat meal, kind of for the reason you listed earlier. Anything is not really going to be stored if you worked out hard enough. When we say worked out hard enough, like give them some examples, because I think some people may go, oh, I, I worked up a nice sweat, and that's not to, di- to diminish that work. It's just we don't want you going, I can have all the carbs I want uh, because I jogged a mile. Like, Yeah, no, no. Unfortunately, it's not for... Just the mile to to three mile runner or walker. Um, it's really going to be more for those heavy Metcon people, the people who get there in there and bodybuild and are only having that thirty second to minute rest intervals in between. So they've really got that big pump going by the end of the session. If you have a really hard bike session, maybe uh, really when you've called upon a lot of the glycogen stores and you've used a lot of the explosive muscle. Exactly. Yeah. If you're getting under heavy load, I mean, just use common sense there. It's intense training. Yeah. Uh, If there's a chance of you being sore from it, you know, you have some of that delayed onset muscle soreness, then you're okay. Good chance you can, you can load up on some carbohydrate afterwards Mm -hmm. and benefit from it. So if I'm considering anything around my workout though, basically a freebie, Hey, I can have a cheat meal anytime around this workout that I've worked out hard enough for. What are your thoughts on that? Do we agree with that? Or are we counting those? They're still going to go to your baseline. Um, you're talking about as your daily like macronutrient goals. I still think they go to your baseline because they're still going somewhere. You're still intaking. They're still going to your body. So it's not free. Um, it would just be a better time. And also think about it like this. You know, it's one thing to take a very clean form of carbohydrate. It's another thing to eat like a cheesecake after your workout and so yeah it's still it's kind of like having that cheat day or am i just going to stick to potatoes and rice or am i going to like have a true cheat day and eat chocolate and cake and croissants yeah exactly and even be wary of some of those chocolate cake cheesecake flavored proteins and whatnot out there too so those are the base of the protocols there let's go ahead and just quickly run through since we will have everything listed in the show notes basically run through some good food options for our macros and then in the show notes we're going to have everything listed out these three protocols how to follow them what percentages when to eat your carbs uh, how to find out your base metabolic rate 
how to find out all of your macros and all that. We have all those tools listed there for you. Let's just run through basically, though, good healthy fats, healthy proteins, and healthy carbohydrate sources. When you talk about the foods, let's start with the fats. Like That's kind of the the foundation of this diet and um, a great resource. We we couldn't have built a better one ourselves with Ben Greenfield's uh, Superhuman Food Pyramid. Uh, We're going to link to that, and I would recommend you just print off that PowerPoint, and you can use that pretty much as a grocery list. Mm -hmm. Um, And and he lists it out perfectly as far as best don't you know moderate eat don't eat and then don't eat at all type thing yeah and really look at those how much because he even goes into there about how many servings per day of these you should eat of have these in moderate um you know portions and then avoid these whatsoever but you really depending on the protocol that you choose and what your goals are those might need to be tweaked as well. And we're here for, if you have any questions, go ahead and shoot us an email. We can help you make that decision. Should I be having that apple every day? Is that okay? Well, if you're completely in ketosis, maybe not, you know. So we'll help you make those choices, but just be conscious of that as well. Yeah, please go to the comment section. Feel free to ask any questions. We'd love to get like some discussion going on. So you can go to the comment section of this podcast on the website. Um, But yeah, let's dive into the fat. So healthy fats, you're really looking at any of your oils that we've mentioned earlier, your coconut oil, um, EVOO, avocado oil. I picked some up at the the farmer's market the other day. I've been using that quite a bit. You can look at your krill oil even, um, your fish oils. Most of those are in tablet form. Ghee, ghee is great. Go-tos for me are the coconut oil and grass-fed unsalted butter. Um, cook with them, put them on, slather them on just about everything, vegetables, you name it. The oils you're really going to want to stay away from are like a lot of your plant oils. Um, they're very unstable, can be very oxidative, and they're also going to carry higher levels of omega-6s, which are going to kind of kick your ratios off. We don't have to dive into the nitty-gritty on that, but you really you want your balance of your omega-3s, which you hear a lot that are in your healthy fish, fish oils, um, your omega-3 balance to your omega-6s. So, yeah, recap fats, your coconut oils, olive oils, butter, um, ghee, which is basically just like a clarified uh, form of of grass-fed butter. Yeah, nuts and seeds, definitely a big one. Uh, Macadamia nuts are great. So, and yeah, like you said, that oil is just easy to throw on anything. Sometimes even if I need a snack uh, and I want no carbs, absolutely, I'll have a protein shake and put some oil in there, have a coffee with some oil in there. Yeah, absolutely. Avocados. How do we forget that, Joshua? How do we forget avocados? Avocados, man. <laughs> Everybody out there knows that avocados have healthy fats in them. So it's like yeah, the avocados name, like the are superfood awesome. of the year, I think, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, yeah, and then just always watch your sources. You know, your sources make a big difference. Whether we're talking about proteins, carbs, or fats, um, highly recommend organic. And unrefined, cold processed, especially on your oils, is a big one. We're going to link to like some of these fish oils and stuff we recommend because you really want to be kind of suspicious and very specific when buying your fish oils. But we'll link to a couple that we recommend in the show notes. So we've covered the fats. Um, what about proteins? Proteins, any sort of animal meat. Basically, you're just going to have your, your protein source in there, and that's also going to double as well as give you some fat. That's not all just protein in there. There are absolutely no carbs, though, in meat. Yeah, if you eat, like, a nice marbled grass-fed steak. Exactly. Awesome dose of protein and fats. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know that, like, eating, you know, super clean and organic can be kind of costly. 
uh, and, it, and it can fluctuate depending on where you live. We do have a great list of, of foods that we recommend that you buy organic no matter what, and then foods that kind of you can kind of get you can get away with buying non-organic that aren't going to be they're maybe a little less susceptible to the pesticides and the GMO. They might not be able they might not even have GMO seed for those plants. So we're going to really decipher that for you in the show notes. Definitely recommend buying it where you can. Yep, exactly. Yeah, animal meats, fish, great. Uh, if you're looking for like some snacks, just protein. Like we said, the protein shakes, beef jerky uh, is awesome on the go. Anything else? Um, really, just the carbohydrate. Um, your starchy veggie, veggies, your fibrous veggies, you can really get away with pretty much all the greens you want. You know? Yeah, and that's really just because there's actual net carbs that your body's taking in. So what that means, net carbs, is basically you have to subtract the amount of fiber that's in your food from the carbohydrates. So say you have 30 grams of carbs and you have 15 grams of fiber in there in your broccoli, you subtract that, you're only getting 15 grams of carbs total because that fiber is actually help breaking it down and your body is not treating that just as a carbohydrate on its own. I do want to caution, like, not that we don't recommend fruit because we do, but look at fruit more as like it's micronutrient content not its macro like you're getting more of the vitamins and minerals you need out of those fruits and and really recommend sticking more to the berries and stuff because fruits primarily made of fructose and Mm -hmm. it's not efficient for our bodies to use fructose as energy it's actually we can but it's very difficult to process and convert the fructose into an energy burning form and the fructose doesn't go to muscle storage it only goes to to your liver so there's not a ton of benefit in eating your fruits is like an energy source or carbs. So that's why I recommend like really one to two servings a day on your fruits. So carbs, yeah, you're looking at any fruit, any veggies. Um, If you're looking at carb backloading or the cyclic carb rice, sweet potatoes are great. You can do regular potatoes, but the sweet potato we like better because of its lower on the GI scale. So you're not going to have that quite a bit of the insulin spike. It's also less starchy, but pretty much I guess that's, that's all she wrote. We, we have a couple of hacks we recommend. Like if, you know, a lot of people that start kind of getting on this low-carb diet, um, they'll experience like some brain fog or like low energy levels. And the number one culprit to that is low sodium intake because your carbohydrates are high in sodium. And so people experience this imbalance of these minerals and stuff um, and electrolyte imbalance when they, they cut out a lot of carbohydrates. So even just adding like some extra, you know, pink sea salt and stuff to your eggs, um, or a dash here and there to your meal. Even you can throw some like in your water bottle. Probably the one or I think we're most excited about here we plan, we're going to be playing around with are um, essential amino acids. Now, we've all used BCAAs. It's kind of been the rage for a long time. But your EAAs, and especially the ones we're going to link to in the show notes, are really going to be utilized almost 100% of what you're taking in to building protein for muscle. Yeah, exactly. As well as other essential functions that proteins have in the body. Yeah, it's kind of that hack on the back end of, okay, so I'm not actually taking in grams of protein, but I'm still giving my muscles building blocks. Absolutely. I think, it's, I think honestly, like these EAAs are, are like the number one hack. Yeah, it I could mean, be a real game changer. Big time. I mean, you think about it, like an ideal morning, wake up, you have like some water and lemon, maybe some apple cider vinegar you pop like five grams of essential amino acids and then that they only take like 20 minutes for the body to actually to to get in the bloodstream and start being used 
to, to make protein. You have that, and then you have like your high fat with some protein in your coffee, the recipe mm-hmm. we recommend. And man, you were like functioning at a high level. And like Jake said, you're not having to take in meat, and it's not difficult on the body to break down, but yet you're getting what you need that would be in that meat at its most highly bioavailable form. Yeah. These EAAs. We could probably talk forever on uh, on these supplements because, oh, yeah. I mean, that's what we do. Like you mentioned apple cider vinegar there, and I've actually been taking it at night because it's been shown to lower your blood sugar levels by 4 to 10% whenever you wake up in the morning. So it's basically fasted, mm-hmm. and I, could, I, I can tell a difference, nice. you know, definitely. So um, it's a little hard to get down, liquid form. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's actually, they say on there to, it's kind of a pick-me-up during the day. You know, it won't wake you up or really anything like that. And also, mention the BCAAs there. Whenever I get a sweet tooth, you know, I can actually, you can take some BCAAs, and your liver will actually convert that into some sugar for you and help you combat that while you're doing this. People may be scratching their heads thinking, how in the world do I know that I'm eating 65 20%, 15%? Ultimately, our number one tool for tracking that would be the MyFitnessPal app that you can download, whether you use Google or iTunes. We've tried some other ones, but that one's been around a while. I know Under Armour kind of backs it. Um, I think they may even own it now. It has everything. And what's nice is when you go in there, you can actually customize your macronutrient goals. So you can go in, type in 65% fats, 20% proteins, 50% carbs, and then that'll have your daily goals in it. And so when you enter, I had three eggs and two pieces of bacon for breakfast, it's going to automatically calculate that for you. Yeah, my fitness pal is awesome. Uh, I, I would say that it really sucks when you first find out and figure out, wow, I'm going to have to log everything I put in my body. Just know that this isn't forever. Even if you just do it for a few days or a few weeks just to get the idea of what you're, what you're getting in and what these foods amount to as far as your macros go, then you're going to have that education to carry you basically for the rest of your life once you have those ideas down. So. Exactly. And that's what this this show has been all about. It's about how do you eat for the long term? How do you eat for your training goals? And how can you know for the rest of your life what the foods that you're putting in your body, what they are doing for you? Yeah. Well, if you've held in for this long, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of information to digest, I know. Yeah, a lot of information. This wasn't one of more of our, you know, uh, probably fun, you know, more sarcastic kind of ones that we that we could put out there. But it's really information that, that we enjoy, that we're passionate about, and want to share with you, and really think it can do a lot of good for, for you and the world. So, And be looking for parts two and three during the month of January to come, which, again, are going to be on detox and blood testing, and then final... Part three will be on lifestyle, workouts, daily habits, and routines. Till next time. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Two Fit Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Two Fit USA, the sports nutrition company owned and operated by the Two Fit Guys. To show our appreciation for you tuning into the podcast, we would like to give you a 10% off your entire order at 2fitusa.com. All of our products are sugar-free, paleo-friendly, gluten-free, non-GMO, and a whole list of other buzzwords. So hop on over to 2fitusa.com. Don't forget to use your promo code 
FIT1, that's F-I-T-1, at checkout. We highly value and appreciate your feedback, so please leave a review about the products and the podcast at our website, 2FitUSA.com, under the podcast and products pages. You can also leave a review on iTunes. Now, if we happen to read your review during one of our podcasts, you'll receive a one-month free subscription of all 2Fit products. So write something noteworthy. If not, we probably won't read it anyway. So go leave a review, listen to the next episode, and until next time.